Good morning, NBCC, and welcome to our Sunday gathering. I am Jesse Cottenham, and I am the Redwood City Campus Pastor. And I am so honored to be with you and have an opportunity to share with you today. But I'd like to give a special shout out to our San Jose campus. Whoop, whoop. Hey, I miss you guys. I love you. And a special shout out to all of you viewing online, wherever you are, locally, globally. We are just honored that you are with us today. I have a word today from the Lord that I'd like to share with you. And the name of this message is called, Now What? I mean, we've all had those now what moments in our life. Some of us refer to them as seasons. But the now what question is so common to all of us. Let me give you a few examples. Your kids are all grown up and you have an empty nest. Now what? Or you had an empty nest and now your son or your daughter is getting a divorce and moving back home with two kids and a dog. Now what? Or the doctor gives you some bad news about your health. Now what? You've lost your job and all your savings are about to run out. Now what? Or you've been working your whole life, ever since you was a teenager, and now you finally get a chance to retire. Now what? Here's one. I would love to have this one. You won the big lottery. Now what? <laughs> but today, I want to talk about this now what? Listen to this. You're in a spiritual rut. You go to church but you have no sense of excitement or anticipation. You're still faithful. You come every Sunday and you might even serve every week, but you just don't feel like you're growing. Now what? Let me share something with you. Nothing is wasted with God. Now, if you're looking online, put that in the chat. Nothing is wasted with God. Now, if you've been with us for several weeks, you've heard our pastors and our associate pastors preach on different things about how they have moved in their now what season with God. Pastor Herman preached a few weeks back. Let's get back to basics. Our associate pastors and our director of life groups preached a series called God Who Sees You, the God Who Sees You. And last week, Pastor Herman preached a prayer called God Unsettle Me. So after all that, now what? Are you in a now what season with God? Let me share a couple of true stories with you and how this Psalms 46 and 10 changed my life and helped me during one of the most stressful now what seasons I have ever had with God. Let me give you a little bit of background. My background in ministry is youth ministry. 
For 25 years, I ministered to families and youth. And I had my first now what moment when a lady at my church, her name was Sister Lloyd, came up to me with what I thought was her grandson, Jarrell. Now, what she did was she walked up to me and she said, Brother Cottenham? I said, yes, Sister Lloyd. She said, I'm giving Jarrell to you. And she took his hand and she grabbed my hand and she put our hands together and walked away. I looked at him. He looked at me. I had never laid eyes on this kid before in my life. And I said, okay, now what? And he shrugged. Now, I didn't know at the time he shrugged. Jarrell was very quiet. He was the quietest kid I had ever ministered to. So let me fast forward. A few years into ministry, things took a turn. I was doing ministry hard. And when I say hard, man, I had accepted my calling into the ministry. I was a husband, a father. I was a deacon in my church, and I had a full-time job. But nothing was going smooth. At home, my wife and my kids were complaining that I was spending too much time at church. At church, the kids were wilding out. I was spending most of my time correcting kids, going to juvenile court, going to family court. It was crazy. Nothing was fun anymore, and it wasn't fulfilling. One ministry that I was leading, at one point we had 50 boys. It was vibrant. At that point, it was completely dormant. I had zero boys, no support, and it was only me. Now what? And I had just recently had a big youth retreat and had an incident there that I never even could have imagined. And I was like, God, is this what it's supposed to be like? Have you ever asked God that question? Have you? You see, nothing is wasted with God. I was ready to quit. My wife and I worked for the same local utility, and my wife had a job where she traveled a lot. So most of the time, when she went somewhere, and it was a city that I had never been to, I would tag along. All I would have to do is buy a plane ticket, buy my meals. Everything else is paid for by the company. Uh, come on, you guys know what it's like. But it was like a short, mini vacation for me. And at this particular time, I was going through this. My wife had a trip planned. And it was one week after this retreat. Her trip was planned to a place in Camden, Maine. She had to take a class called Ethical Fitness. And I needed a break, so I tagged along. Now, when we got there, <coughs> excuse me, we stayed in a beautiful bed and breakfast place. And right next door to it was this magnificent park. 
So the first day my wife goes to class, she says to me, she says, so babe, what are you going to do today? I said, I'm going to walk around, look at the town, because it reminded me of Sausalito here in the Bay Area. It's right on the shore. They have boats in the harbor. Man, it was wonderful right there on the Atlantic Ocean. I said, I'm going to walk around and have me some seafood for lunch. She said, okay, I'll see you after class. I said, okay, no problem. I literally sat on that park bench for hours. Now, I have to explain something to you. As I sat on that park bench, I was, mad, I was wondering at the, the wonders and the beauty of everything that was around me. And I started to pray. And normally, I pray with this frustration because I was just in it and everything was going so bad. But this particular time, I actually started off in praise. I started telling the Lord, man, how far you've brought me, how good you've been to me. Everything that's going on in my life, man, is still such a blessing. I, I started off with praise. And in the process, God's spirit gave me Psalms 46 and 10. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And he started to explain it to me. You see, when you spend time with God, God will give you an insight into his word every time you spend quality time with him. So he broke down this Psalms 46 and 10 and he said, be still, Jess, be still. Do you know what that means? In the New American Standard Bible version, be still is translated as this. Cease striving. Or better yet, let go. Relax. Mm. Just be still. It was such a beautiful day. This park was so beautiful. This bench was so comfortable. I was totally unplugged, y'all. I was still. Then God said, and no, and no, I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for God to tell me. And he said, trust what you already know about your faith, Jess, what you already know about me. Psalms 100 verse 3 says this, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. No, don't think, don't hope, don't wish. Be assured, no. Matthew 17 and 20 says this. Jesus said this. He said, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I was like, wow, if I know, if I'm assured, 
nothing is impossible. Mm. Then he said, and just, I am God. Wow. Worship him. Be thankful. Know whose you are and where you've, he brought you from. Wow. It made me think about when Moses first had an encounter with God and he asked God, who should I say sent me? He said, I am. Mm. Psalms 22 and 3. You sit as the Holy One. The praises of Israel are your throne. You see, God inhabits our praise. And I started off with praise and God came right into the mix. He was right there with me. And he said, you need to be assured, Jesse, that I am. Not I'm not. I am. John 14 and 6 says this. Jesus said it. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow. Then God wrapped it up. He said, just expect the unexpected. Mark 27, excuse me, Mark 10 and 27 says this. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. Expect the unexpected. I mean, and it was just getting good that time that I was having with God and all of a sudden, my wife, Pally, walks up to me and says, hey, babe. And I look at her and I go, hey. I found out that I had been sitting on that park bench. Fellowshipping with God from like 10 o'clock in the morning. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. It literally seemed like 30 minutes. It went by so fast. But I was still processing everything that I had went through with God and I'm telling my wife and I'm telling her all these magnificent things that God has showed me. Later on that night, we were in the room. My wife is doing some studying for her class and she says, babe, I have to write this paper. And you told me a story years ago about when you were at PG&E, how you intervened in a situation. I said, yeah, okay. So I tell her about the story. She writes the whole story up. Next day, she turns the story in. And when she comes back from class that day, she says, Babe, the founder of the company that I'm taking the class to wants to have dinner with you. I'm like, wants to have dinner with me? Why? She said, because of your story. Now, this gentleman's name is Rushworth Kidder. And he is the founder 
of the Institute for Global Ethics. And my wife was taking a class called Ethical Fitness. She was writing a paper on moral courage. Mm. So I might be like you. I asked her point blank, babe, what's moral courage? You might be asking that same thing. Put it in the chat. What is moral courage? Now listen to this. Moral courage is courage to take action for moral reasons despite the risk of adverse consequences. An example of moral courage can be speaking out against injustices even when no one else does. Or taking action when you know it will cost you personally, but it will help others. Mm, it kind of sounds like Jesus to me. Moral courage. Now, I want you to remember this. Nothing is wasted with God. Over the years, <laughs> during our conversations, Rushworth and myself became good friends. And God knew exactly what I needed and who I needed in my life right at the right time. And during my interview with Russ, he was asking me about this particular incident. And he asked me, he said, can moral courage be taught? It made me think for a second. It made me think about Jarrell. Let me tell you why. Just a week earlier, I had taken 75 youth away for the weekend for a youth retreat. Now, this involved two other churches. So it was a big mixture of teenagers. Now, if you know me, I'm always cautious when it comes to the mixture of teenagers. So I said a little prayer before we went. I said, Lord, you know what? Just give me some insight. Just let me know what's going on before it happens. During a Saturday afternoon, during a free time, kids could go play basketball. They could go to the movie. They could just hang out, go to the pool. I got that little nudge by the Holy Spirit. I said, you know what? I'm going to go do a room check. My wife looked at me like, okay. Lord and behold, I do a room check, and who do I catch in a room with a girl but Jarrell? Now, you got to remember, Jarrell and myself had built this relationship over the years, right? Such a relationship that when I first met him and I said, now what? I basically just brought him into my house. When I say brought him in, I just loved him like he was my son. Him and my son became best friends. But Jarrell did something that surprised me. Later on that night, Jarrell wrote me in an apology letter. And then before I got ready to prepare this message, I asked him if it was okay to share this letter because I have never shared it with anyone else. 
His reply was, Pop, it's your story too. Go, go at it. So let me read to you just a little part of this letter that he wrote. And he put it on Embassy Suite letterhead. Three pages. And as you can see, I laminated it because it's something that I wanted to preserve and keep to remember. So basically, when I caught them, they hadn't done anything. They were just kissing. That's how he explains it. And they hadn't. I got there just in the nick of time, if you know what I mean. But he says at the time that I was talking to him and everything, he says, I wasn't really paying attention. I was just upset that I got caught. So he was hearing me, but he wasn't hearing me. Later on that night, he had a time to sit down and reflect. And this is what he wrote. I'm going to read just some portions of it. He said, as I'm sitting here writing this, I realized that you didn't yell or scream or even raise your tone or even show a hint at being mad. I was really hoping you did at least one of those, but you didn't. And I know that means that you were disappointed. Then he goes on to say how because he didn't have such a great relationship with his dad that I was like the father figure in his life. He put it in here. And he says, I can't believe out of all this time and all the, 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 the buildup of our relationship that in one night I lost your trust. Mm. And then he ended it with this. Last night, I wasn't sincere. I was just upset that I got wrapped up in it all. So I wanted to be real with you and say, I'm sorry for real, Jarrell. Wow. Lost my trust. Have you ever been in a position where you felt like you've lost God's trust? Mm. Well, you might think after this that Jarrell would have faded away, stopped coming to youth, stopped coming to church, that our relationship would kind of go downward. But just the opposite happened. We became closer. Jarrell went off to college and he wrote a paper called Independence. And I'd like to read just a little bit of this paper to you. He wrote this while he was going through all the many degrees that he has attained. But let me read this. He started off saying that the most significant accomplishment he had in his life to that point was moving out. He said he couldn't wait. And I knew he couldn't. But this is what he said. He said, I was one of those children who was an adult at nine and knew everything about everything there is to know. Surprisingly, at 18, however, I learned that living on your own isn't as easy as it looks. I'm going to skip down to a part where I know God doesn't waste anything. He said, as a child growing up in St. John's Youth Department, 
One thing that Brother Cottenham repeatedly said to the junior layman was, character is what you do when no one is around. For years, I heard him say this, and it meant nothing until a few months ago. In life, we are all tempted continuously. However, the, the temptation increases when we think we can indulge in the temptation without ever being found out. My first year of college has been nothing but incessant, incessant, continuously being tempted from all angles. And although I am not claiming to be perfect, one of the few things that has kept me is that quote from Brother Cottenham ringing in my head. Realizing that someone is, and he put this in capital letters, always watching. You see, every now and then, we get to a place where we think God has turned his back on us. And we can be in that now what season. Man, it's one thing after another. It's like once you get over this hump, man, it's something else waiting for you. And we have those moments where we sit there and we go, Lord. Now what? During my time on that bench, before my wife came, I had that same question with Lord. Now what, Lord? What do you want me to do? And he gave me something to do. And it was real simple. He said, be the Bible your students will never read. Hmm. Mm. Let me say that again. He said, be the Bible your students will never read. So my answer to Rush was, can more courage be taught? Yes. But it's caught, not taught. Put that in the chat. It's caught, not taught. Let me sum it up for you. Psalms 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am God. First thing you have to do is be still. Spiritually. Do you go into your prayer stressed out? Do you go into your prayer time with God frustrated? God said, let it go. Relax. Know that I'm with you. But it said be still. Jarrell just needed somebody to be still, to be a still presence in his life. That's all. I told you he was quiet. He just needed somebody to be still in his life, to be that presence in his life. You can be that presence in someone's life today. Then he said, no. When you know, stand firm in your faith. Don't waver. I believed, and I still do, that God has called me to serve. 
The last one is I am. You see, God can do the impossible. This is a picture of me and Jarrell at his graduation for his Ph.D. in clinical psychology. See, Jarrell is married. He's married to his college sweetheart, Ashley. And they have a wonderful little son named Michael, who was the total opposite of his daddy. He can talk. <laughs> and the last one is expect the unexpected. You see, I never thought I'd get a letter like this. An apology from a student. I never in my wildest imagination thought that a student of mine would repent to move up higher. Wow. Then at the same time, I never thought that I would meet someone like Rusworth Kidder. Really changed my life. So, I want you to get this good news. God can turn our now what into now what? Now what, Lord? You see, it is one year. I am celebrating my one year anniversary as the Redwood City Campus Pastor, and I am truly in a now what season. Oh, my goodness. And when I say that, it's an exciting time in my life. And it's also an exciting time in the life of NBCC. You know, NBCC, we're growing, not only locally, but globally. We're launching new ministries. We're launching a men's and a women's ministry later on this year and next year. It's a great season for you to get involved and be part of our community. You see, for the last few weeks, you've heard Pastor Herman mention about our upcoming Explore God campaign. You might be asking, now what? That just might be the question you have for God. Or it could be, can I really get to know God personally? Yes. Sign up for to host a discussion group. What now? Might be time to join a serving team. What now? Might be time to get baptized. Your next move could be the best move of your life. Romans 8 and 28 says this. And we all know and we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In your now what season. This is my charge I give to you. You can be the Bible and put someone's name there that they'll never read. Mm. You can be the Bible your coworker will never read. You can be the Bible your neighbor will never read. You can be what they need in this season. I have a picture, a placard on my wall, and it says, be still and know that I am. Let me tell you how God works. He wastes nothing 
that Christmas, that very Christmas after that youth retreat, my students gave me this gift, this placard that's hanging on my wall. It was God's confirmation to me because I never told them about that moment in the park. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Love you.